Amanda Sellers once said, We need to surrender to the unknown and trust that even as a small seed covered in dirt and darkness, that we will become all that we were meant to be as long as we allow ourselves to be guided and don't resist this unknown. Embrace it. Hello, my name is David Kane and welcome to Episode 9, The Feel It to Heal It Steering Wheel. So if you followed my previous episodes, you know that the healthy grief recovery journey I lived and I'm offering to you has lots of guidance that Amanda Seller speaks of. To date, I've asked you to trust that you have to feel it to heal it. You have to recognize you're probably stuck, not broken, and you need, it, you need only to be witnessed, not fixed. In this vein, build your own small witness team to walk beside you. Even have them follow these episodes to help them prepare for their role. Believe in yourself and your ability to gain resilience as you learn to face your grief in the present moment. If possible, sign up and take a grief recovery workshop. Consider building your own Feel It to Heal It daily affirmation list and read it daily. Consider building your own Feel It to Heal It calendar to save present moment energy for present moment things. Thus not being miserable in the present moment about future misery. Now after all the casseroles quit showing up at the door and many people around you are not comfortable witnessing your grief, they want it to be invisible to them even though it's far from invisible to you. It is nice to have guidance that Amanda speaks of in the form of this feel it to heal it steering wheel. This is nothing more than an actionable personal vision you have for yourself. And if possible, try to build your steering wheel with your witness team. Now, over the last year, I've called upon my steering wheel many times when I was lost, confused, uncertain, sad, out of focus and out of energy. Now, once again, we all grieve differently, and for that reason, we all should have our own personal steering wheel. Now, I will read you mine and then explain the elements of each paragraph in a way that you can take what you want and leave the rest. And as always, I'm sure you'll come up with some very unique paragraphs yourself. And if you wish to share them with me, please email me at info at seaofacceptance.com, and I'll add them to the bottom of the live Word document in my additional resources section of the website. This way we can have a living document. I will now read my personal Feel It to Heal It steering wheel. I accept that my profound loss has left me with a severely wounded heart and cast me into a deep dark place with no frame of reference, no skills or tools to help me. I feel fear and uncertainty and my world does not feel solid, safe, or secure. I accept that my loved one will never be physically present again. I've come to learn that the best way out of this pain is through this pain, and I have to feel it to heal it. I accept that the initial loss was beyond my control. But how I deal with the impact this loss had on my mind, body, and soul is totally within my control. I give myself permission to honor this great loss by 
leaning into my feelings and grieving in the present moment and learn how to move forward through this pain all the while becoming more wholehearted. I accept that along my journey, I will make time and space for all emotions as I learn to live with emotional freedom. I will build a small community of family and friends to witness my journey, assuring that I don't grieve alone. I accept that all these grief triggers I am feeling are both a roadmap of my suffering as well as a roadmap of my healing. And I will use my feel it to heal it calendar to reduce being miserable about future misery. I will build and follow my daily affirmation list as a way to ground myself each day. May I be mindful that I have people in my life that will watch and learn from my grief journey. May this be part of the motivation for me to find a healthy path forward. As I rebuild my life, a different life, I accept that this is not a sprint, but rather a marathon. And I'll use this vision as my steering wheel. It will help me foster my limited energy and guide me on a healthy, slow spiral upwards. So there you have it. Is it a mission statement? Is it a credo? I just call it my steering wheel. And I assume you can visualize how you could build your steering wheel and it could help direct you when your mind, body, and soul are wandering or exhausted or just want to halt this journey and avoid the current pain you're having. Always remember that all the grief work you do today will pay off for all of your tomorrows. Imagine if 24 years ago, I buried all my feelings forever. And as the losses piled up, I probably would have been quite ill. Instead, I know how to lose things and be resilient no matter who or what knocks at my door. So let's break this down paragraph by paragraph so you can understand how I built my steering wheel. And this can be input to you building your own. And as always, keep what you want and leave the rest. Paragraph one is the introduction and also defines the strongest emotions we are feeling as a result of our loss. Here's my paragraph one. I accept that my profound loss has left me with a severely wounded heart and cast me into a deep, dark place with no frame of reference and no skills or tools to help me. I feel fear and uncertainty and my world does not feel solid, safe or secure. So as you can see, we're summarizing where the loss has left us. And I suggest you and your witness team brainstorm as to what the emotions are that you're feeling. Now, if you did a grief recovery workshop, you probably fully understand the emotions that are in front of you. If not, it may take you longer to do this step. Remember, not all emotions need to be defined here, just the strong ones. And there are three big ones, feeling guilty, being a victim and carrying anger and rage. Now let's remember that grief is all the different thoughts and feelings that occur when we experience a big loss in life. And it's far more than just feeling guilty or feeling like a victim or carrying anger and rage. Oftentimes we're sad, numb. We feel that it wasn't fair. We're full of fear. It validates things. We're angry. We're guilt-ridden. We're confused. We hold resentment. 
Maybe we feel shame if the loss was due to an addiction or something uh, like that. Regret, being alone, feeling strange, helplessness, hopelessness, being worried, surprised. Now, a lot of times, most of us spend a lot of time in the what if. What if I had got that CAT scan a month earlier? What if she didn't drive down that road that day? What if I didn't uh, send them on that bike ride? And we all probably have to go through that, and there is no answer. And the sooner we can accept that side of it, the, the calmer our mind, body, and soul will be. And then there's spending time on the why. Why them? Why now? Why not somebody else? I spent a lot of time on that with Janice because for her age, she was a world-class cycle tourist, biking 25,000 kilometers around the world and mostly in mountainous areas. So picture strapping 40 pounds of luggage on your bicycle and then climbing mountains. So she trained her mind and her body to be able to do that. She was very healthy yet uh, afflicted with cancer and why? And again, I could never get an answer, so I had to let that one go. Relief. Now, this was an anticipatory death, and there was some relief when the pain and physical pain and suffering was over for her. So then I felt guilty about feeling relief, but you have to come to terms with all this, and you have to work through these feelings. So... Uh, the Feel It to Heal It movement says you don't ignore these, but you, you, you bring them into your present moment and you get to soften them a little. There's another one, the emotion of feeling happy. Now, I was resilient last year and very quickly I went into, as I've mentioned before, the dual process model where I would switch between loss-oriented work and restorative-oriented work. So in the restorative-oriented work, I might be having fun. And somebody asked me, how are you? And I said, well, at this moment, I'm pretty happy because I was doing something and releasing dopamine and it all was good. And they challenged me, how can you be happy? And I said, well, at this moment, I am. And I said, you should have saw me this morning. It was a, it was a gone show. So it's a... It's a thing out there that you have to, all these emotions are hitting you and you're trying to deal with them and you have all the expectations of the rest of the world. So it's not an easy thing, but do lean into your emotions. So we'll just define them in a step and I'll give you more information in paragraph four on what to do. Now, in my experience, each loss I've had, I feel a unique set of strong emotions depending on the circumstances around the loss. Now, 24 years ago, I was full of rage, anger, and strong feelings of guilt. Last year, it was mostly sadness and where to from here. I believe the lack of a lot of anger last year was due to my mindfulness and being able to be in the present moment, accepting things as they are. Well, as best as I could when I lost my loved one. This mindfulness allowed me to regulate my emotions a little more the second time around. I still had some anger, but much less. Now let's move on to paragraph two, which speaks to the impermanence around whatever loss we are dealing with. Here is my paragraph two. 
I accept that my loved one will never be physically present again. Obviously, this is a very strong and difficult statement to write and to read. But it's that way for a reason, as we need to name it to tame it. And we can't have ambiguous words. We kind of need the cold, hard facts here. And over time, you may come to appreciate this strategy. But in the beginning, if you have to start with a softer version of this paragraph, that is fine. But over time, please try to move the wording up to something stronger when you can. So this paragraph for me is about my late wife, but yours could be about your health, your wealth, your faith, your innocence, your job, your community, your family pet, or a person. Remember the over 40 losses the Grief Recovery Institute spoke about. Now let's say you are grieving the loss of your health. Maybe you can no longer use your legs anymore. So your sentence may be, I accept that I will never be able to play pickleball again. So obviously you tailor this line to whatever loss you're dealing with. Now, if you continue to say this and believe this, you will start to live this. And I know you've heard this statement many times from me as it's foundational to both the building and living a healthy grief recovery journey, as well as practicing the ideas around feel it to heal it movement. Paragraph four is you taking responsibility for how you are dealing with your loss. Please note you are not taking responsibility for the actual loss. While this paragraph may only have a few words, it's by far the most difficult paragraph to live because we have to fully understand what we're dealing with and then learn how to deal with those emotions. Here's my paragraph four. While I accept that the initial loss was beyond my control, how I deal with the impact of this loss on my mind, body, and soul is totally within my control. So let's say you're feeling like a victim. Oftentimes this can be difficult if we were victimized and we still choose to be the victim. And I say this with as much compassion as possible because some of you have had some unthinkable inhumane things done to you and you were victimized and it's only natural to feel like the victim. By not using the victim card, you're not condoning the perpetrator, but rather moving to a spot where their behavior will no longer affect your mind, body, and soul. So try to think about this in a way that you can mostly retire the victim card that maybe in the past you pulled out and used a lot. Now, if you're having feelings of guilt about the loss, maybe you need to lean into it and see if your guilt is more like a regret. If you think of guilt as intentionally harming somebody, maybe you're not guilty, but maybe you just should feel regret. And again, with guilt, healing can be difficult. With regret, we move beyond the pain easier. So as long as you stay feeling strongly guilty about the loss, your healing will be very difficult. Now, 24 years ago, I carried guilt for a long time. And it wasn't until I accepted that I never intentionally tried to harm anybody that I could heal from this. Now, anger. 
Somebody once said that being angry is like drinking poison just to try to hurt somebody else. But in the end, it only hurts yourself. Here's the thing. The anger doesn't stop in me until I'm ready and willing and able to stop it. I'm responsible for being angry and I'm responsible for choosing not to be angry. Now, the internet is full of ideas on how to regulate all our emotions. And again, dealing with these emotions may be the most significant task that we take in living our steering wheel vision. Now, for others, this may just be confirming some things and it's not a difficult thing. Paragraph five is moving grief from a noun to grieving as a verb. Here's my paragraph five. I give myself permission to honor the great loss by leaning into and grieving in the present moment and learn how to move forward through this pain all the while becoming more wholehearted. Now this is a call to action to not allow ourselves to store our grief in our can of worms for later because sometimes later never comes. This intention will help nudge us to learn to recognize our grief and how to handle it in the present moment. Paragraph six is dedicated to make sure we don't stay too busy and we make time for heart and head work going forward. Here's my paragraph six. I accept that along my journey, I will make times and space for emotions as I learn to live with emotional freedom. If we're too busy to recognize and deal with our grief, the length of this very painful part of the journey just keeps going. So what I try to do is look at my schedule and see if there's space for both doing time and being time. Now, paragraph seven is where we build a witness team to assure we don't grieve alone. And there's many other benefits to having a witness team. Here's my paragraph seven. I will build a small community of family and friends to witness my journey, assuring that I don't grieve alone. Now, 24 years ago, I didn't have this kind of team. I had lots of people that loved me, but weren't sure what to do. And I didn't know what to do either. Now, last year, I amassed a large team, including 80 friends that I play basketball with. Now, it's not necessary to have that big a group. It just happened organically. And they helped me along my grief journey. So even if you only have one strong witness, that's amazing. But if you have a few, that's good as well. And it actually helps the witness to learn more about grief and grieving while they walk along your journey. And collectively, we're all changing the dialogue around grief and grieving. Now, paragraph eight is a roadmap to our healing. Here's my paragraph eight. I accept that all these grief triggers are both a roadmap of my suffering as well as a roadmap of my healing. And I will use my feel it to heal it calendar to reduce being miserable about future misery. And as you recall, this is the ideas from David Kessler, Stoic Seneca and the Grief Recovery Institute's weekly special events calendar. 
Now, I can't speak enough about the roadmap of our suffering and more importantly, the roadmap of our healing. Now, let's say we choose not to lean into our grief emotions. Let's say there's 10 major calendar triggers each and every year. And if we work hard at avoiding them 15 years from now, just imagine the mess we might find ourselves in and how many things are stuck in our can of worms by doing avoidance. So this is where, again, I'll say, why not get on with the inevitable? Paragraph nine is about the feel it to heal it daily affirmations. And here is my paragraph nine. I will build and follow my daily affirmation list as a way to ground myself each and every day. This paragraph ties this into our daily routine, helps ground us and also helps slowly rebuild our hippocampus plan to reflect the new normal. And as you recall, this plan or map in the hippocampus takes a long time to remap. Now, I very much believe that what I focus on grows. So this affirmation list allows me to focus on these things and grow in a direction of my choice. Now, paragraph 10 is being a role model. Here's my paragraph 10. May I be mindful that I have people in my life that will watch and learn from my grief journey. May this be part of the motivation for me to find a healthy path forward. Now, this is a very important paragraph to me. If we want to change the dialogue around grief and grieving, it starts with our actions. When my grandchildren see that it's okay for me to cry thinking about our shared loss, this gives them permission to cry if they wish. Reflecting back on the six myths that the Grief Recovery Institute provided us with, I will no longer live that way. In fact, I'll live with the reverse of those myths. Now for you, done properly, you too can be a beacon of change teaching those around you how to build and live their own healthy grief recovery journey. Now, paragraph 11 ties it all together. Here's my paragraph 11. As I rebuild my life, a different life, I accept that this is not a sprint, but rather a marathon. And I will use this vision as my steering wheel. It will help me foster my limited energy and guide me on a healthy, slow spiral upward. Now, I wrote this using very powerful words with the stretch goal of building a new yet different life. I call it a stretch goal, but I've done it twice. And if I can do it, you can grow and learn to do it as well. Remember, moving from profound grief to a healthy relationship with our loss takes a very long time. So in conclusion, I hope you've Enough information to allow you and your witness team to build your own feel it to heal it steering wheel. And I'll keep a current version of my steering wheel on the website under the additional resources section. So in conclusion, if you don't feel good, you can do something about it. And please remember that breakthroughs are not supposed to be easy. And after the darkness we face in life, there can and will be light. And Kenneth Soares and Alex L. mentioned these. Oftentimes I get asked, how long will it take to get over grief? Keeping David Kessler's comments in mind, our grief is a story of the loss and the story lasts a lifetime. 
We don't get over it, but rather we learn to live with it. What I do know is that if you bury your feelings, you may never get over the pain and suffering. It may always lurk in your background and surface when you least expect it. My crystal ball is in the repair shop, so I can't tell you how long it will take you to grieve. All I know from my personal experience is once you learn how to recognize your grief and gain skills to deal with it in the present moment, the pain and suffering starts to lessen. My wish for you is that you start your own slow spiral upward from your place of profound grief. I received an email this morning with this interesting saying, the author is unknown. Grief never ends, but it changes. It's a passage, not a place to stay. Grief is not a sign of weakness, nor a lack of faith. It's a price of love. Now, I thank you very much for witnessing this episode and I would appreciate any feedback at info at seaofacceptance.com. I wish you all the best with your Feel It to Heal It steering wheel. Thank you.